Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, a clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. Well, welcome back, Dr. Maurice. It's always great to chat with you. And today we get to chat about something that's not COVID related, which is pretty exciting. That's right. Uh, it's my <laughs> pleasure to be here. Today I have to, we're going to do a role reversal and I get to ask you the questions because you came, actually, when we started these podcasts, you had more of the Twitter presence than I did. So, <laughs> uh, and, and so, and we're out there. So I'm just really curious about, you know, how did you get involved with this? I mean, where it seems like you're coming up on a milestone with all the, your blog activities in these things. That's what I've heard. That's the rumor out there. It's uh, true, the, yeah. You promised <laughs> the sprinkling of parasites, but so what's a milestone? And where did it all start? Yeah, this is our Sprinkling of Parasites podcast. I like that. The Parasite <laughs> podcast. Perfect. Well, so I've been on social media now for a while, but it all stemmed back to 2007. I was newly hired at Mayo, and I was given the opportunity through a Mayo Foundation Scholar Program to go to London, study at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, and get a master's degree in medical parasitology, which was interesting because I'd already gone to medical school, done my residency, my fellowship, and now all of a sudden I'm going back to being a student again and studying for tests. And, and I was definitely the oldest person in my class. Um, and I was <laughs> seeing all this great information, learning all of this stuff. And I thought, I really want to share this with my colleagues back at Mayo. So I decided to start a blog. And I didn't know anything about blogs. This is 2007. It was fairly new. I found a free program uh, through Google that I could use called Blogger. Um, and I just started posting a case of the week. And I've stuck with it. So I am posting later today my 600 case. So wow. this week is the 600 case. Yeah, I've passed the 10 year benchmark. That was in 2017. Then I hit 500, 555. It's getting to the point where, yeah, I don't know what I'll do when I hit 1,000 cases, but I imagine I'll still be going. We'll have a party with parasite shaped cakes and stuff, I guess, maybe. Oh, well, you know, we do that actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who want to go to my blog, which is called Creepy, Dreadful, Wonderful Parasites, follow the notes, uh, the link in the notes to go to the blog. If you type in Halloween in the search bar, you will find all of the fun costumes people have come up with and all of the edible parasite goodies, including maggot cupcakes. Wow. Completely edible, all made Good. out of frosting. And parasite-free, <laughs> parasite only with pseudo-frosting-created yes. parasites, not the real ones. Exactly. Nice. <laughs> Excellent. So I've been out there in social media myself now, as well as on the radio. One of the radio hosts asked about Parasite Gal. Who is Parasite <laughs> Gal? He posted that question to me on, on mm -hmm. Twitter and on air, I think. So where did Parasite I mean, it's a great name. And then they sparked a whole debate about how how mundane my Twitter handle is, and maybe one of the few things about me that is mundane, maybe, I don't know, but, um, <laughs> so where, where did you come up with Parasite Gallus? I mean, it's yeah. great. Well, thank you. I mean, again, it goes back to 2007. It was a deliberate choice, although I had no idea at the time that I was going to be picking something that was going to stick with me for decades to come. But I wanted something that was short and easy to remember. Um, I kind of liked how it sounded like a, you know, kind of pseudo 
comic book character, Parasite Gal, you know, coming to the rescue, saving, saving people <laughs> from parasites, <laughs> kind of tongue in cheek, really, you know, uh, it's good to make fun of yourself, you know, and, and I just thought it worked well, and I just stuck with it. Of course, now, actually, yours probably makes more sense, you know, it should say, uh, they say that your Twitter handle should include your name, so I don't know what it means about me now that my name is Parasite Gal, but hey, it's okay. <laughs> It's your alter ego, apparently. That's it's I guess so. Cool. <laughs> I have an alter ego. I don't have that. So, so I, I mean, to me, it, it's so great. How many followers have you had oh, on a blog? Or well, I get about 35,000 page hits a month. It's hard to know with the followers because I branched out to all different forms of social media. So, you know, they're coming in from Twitter and LinkedIn and, uh, you know, Facebook. I have a Facebook parasite page now. So wow. it's, it's actually hard to know. And of course, with social media, you could retweet someone else's post. So yeah. the reach is much higher. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's cool. So how would you, I mean, so, I mean, first of all, I think it really, I mean, you're passionate about it. You enjoy it. You bring joy mm -hmm. to it. And it really shows the power of all those things. But now we live in a time where a lot of people want to create, want to share knowledge to social media and want to create a social media presence for themselves. Uh, it's kind of, a, now it, it's actually, I'm sure going to be part of people's career even going forward in, in medicine, you know, that they'll be viewed as another way of credibility, potentially for even academic rank, uh, you know, down the road. What would your advice be? I just got, because I just got a LinkedIn message this morning from a, a, a student who wanted to know about, you know, what do you, what I, I want to go into pathology. What do I need to know? What do I need to do? And actually, I, I, what I might say one word was what they asked for. And I, the word back to them was joy. If you really enjoy what you're doing, mm, yeah. no matter what your pursuit is, particularly at the college level, you'll, I think you'll be happy and fulfilled in the destination. But with all that in mind, clearly you have joy for this. And it's, and mm -hmm. that's part of what makes the, you make it so fun. So what, what would your advice be to someone who might listen to this and want to follow in your footsteps? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think joy is a great place to start. You know, pick something that inspires you, that makes you happy. And if your goal is to share information about that topic with the world, then pick a, a medium that works for you. Now, I started blogging, but I will say posting a case of the week every week, I post it on a Monday and then I post the answer on a Friday or a Saturday. That's a fairly big time commitment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it could take me an hour if I'm writing up a really intricate post. I try to incorporate all the comments from my readers to really make it a community-based answer. Um, I include pictures and comparisons and make it as educational as I can. That might not be where everyone wants to start. I would actually say that people may want to start with something easier like Twitter, where you are limited by how many characters you have, and it's just a good short way to post. Um, you want to do it on a regular basis. And so, building up a following. You can't just post once a month. You have to really be out there holding conversations again about something that hopefully inspires you and brings you joy because then that will show through in your posts. So if someone asks me, how do I start on this? I would say find the right platform and the right audience and determine the scope of what you're going to be covering. If it's going to be reviewing articles or posting cases and um, I actually published on this uh, recently, and there's some guidelines you have to keep in mind if you're going to post cases to protect patient information. So that's something that would be worth looking into. And then creating a schedule. For me, I just do it on Mondays and Fridays. So it's pretty easy. I put that time on my schedule. For someone who's going to be tweeting, it might be helpful at first to start and just put some 
notes on your calendar of when to tweet. Um, and then understanding your readership and their needs. My readership, a lot of them are physicians. They don't have a lot of time. So people have told me numerous times, really like how your posts are short and sweet. I can read them in just a few seconds. And so they'll go and they'll read it. They'll take the time because they know they can do it quickly. Now, that might not be the kind of posting that you want to do. You know, for someone else, they may want to write like a wonderful essay about their favorite parasite, which would be awesome. But that's going to mean a greater time commitment and it's going to mean the reader has to commit time. Yeah, you really have to decide like what your audience can do and what they would want. And then really creating a, self, a, a safe and welcoming place. I really love all the comments from my viewers and I try to really incorporate them when I write the answer. I'll call people out by name, I'll thank them for their contributions. Sometimes my contributors have actually written my answer for me and I'll just like put it in quotes and say, well, according to Microman, because you know, they have these great names, uh, <laughs> you know, these are the features that are diagnostic in this case. Um, and then I'll put that in quotes. So that way I'm actually giving credit to the folks that have written in. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. people will write poems, so I'll make sure to include those. Uh, songs, I've had people write songs for some of my nice, cases. Nice. <laughs> wow, awesome. Well, I haven't done any of those things. I, you know, that's like the great, I think the two things that, if I can distill it down, it, it's, it's something you should feel is important to you that you want to have a voice in. And then make it true to yourself. I mean, if you're a planner that wants really kind of very, you know, you might do more of a blog if you're more of a spontaneous person. Uh, but the blog is a big time commitment. If you're more spontaneous, you could use Twitter. But Twitter is short and therefore prone to maybe people doing things, taking things different directions. You have to be careful what you wade into there in terms of topics. And also you have to be careful. And I learned this the hard way. If you're distractible, you got to turn it off. <laughs> because you start tweeting at times when you shouldn't be tweeting. It's very easy yeah. to do. I just put that out there. But for me personally, uh, I think that's what I've liked about Twitter is that for the first time, there's a need for a public voice from Mayo Clinic about COVID. And so people want to hear from someone in my position. And, and, it's, uh, and also I can show my personality. I've lived in Minnesota a long time. So it, I think the other piece of it that you bring to it is, is to make it interactive. I mean, people really want to interact. Uh, I mean, one thing we've learned, how many songs now uh, are talking about quarantine? If you just listen yeah. to popular music. And I think that that need for interaction and it really is a human need. And the beauty of social media is it allows people to interact with us that might never get to come to Minnesota or wherever we might be. So uh, you've been doing this now for a long time, 600 cases on your blog. So, mm -hmm. so do you have a few favorites? Uh, well, that's a tough question because I have to say that they're kind of all my favorites. I get a lot of contributions from my readers and some of those are just amazing because they come from parts of the world and feature parasites that I don't get to see regularly. Mm. Although through Mayo Clinic Laboratories, uh, from a scientific standpoint, we're fortunate. We get to see a whole variety, but still there are some things that you just are not going to see uh, very frequently. So cases of large intestinal flukes, pseudoparasites are another other interest of mine, things that look like parasites, but they aren't. Things that people find in their toilet bowl and, you know, get worried that it might have been something that came out of them. So all sorts of flies and whatnot. And then uh, also cases where it was really the community that came together to make the diagnosis. As I mentioned, sometimes I don't even have to write the answer. I just basically quote my readers. And it's really cool because I had one case where there was an endoscopy and someone did a CT or an ultrasound guided endoscopic biopsy through the small bowel and uh, sampled a lymph node and they found Giardia. 
the thing was that everyone was confused, you know, why is there GRD in a lymph node? But one of my readers who was really astute said, well, how was this sampled? And sure enough, I didn't tell them initially because that was part of the trick, you know. Yeah. Um, I didn't tell them initially the sample was obtained through the wall of the small bowel as a, an endoscopic biopsy, but that was the answer. And yeah. then everyone started talking about that. And so we got the answer from the readers, which is just, I love when they, uh, I love how they just can contribute and really be part of the case. Yeah, wow, those are all great examples. And large intestinal, who, who was I want to get on the blog now when you mentioned something like large intestinal flukes? So, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your time. Thank you for all your contributions to education and thanks for do, what, doing what you do. Thanks, Dr. Maurice. It's been a pleasure chatting with you again. As always. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.